God's word that we meditate on this morning is our gospel lesson that we just read from Luke chapter 11. It's printed out in your service folder if you'd like to follow along. One of Jesus' disciples comes to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Really? (laughs) Come on. You guys don't know how to pray? You've been with Jesus how long, and you're finally asking how to do it? It's a pretty basic elementary thing, isn't it? So what precipitates this request? Well, maybe it's because they know that John the Baptist has taught his disciples how to pray. And and maybe Jesus hasn't quite gotten to that lesson with them yet. Maybe it's because they've seen Jesus pray so many times. All throughout the Gospels, we hear about times that Jesus prays. He prays in front of them. He prays when he goes off to a solitary place. It mentions sometimes he prays all night long. And maybe this has piqued their interest on, on, on what this prayer thing is all about and how to do it. But maybe it's also because they've had some really bad examples how to pray. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus denounced the teachers, the religious leaders for how they prayed. Because they would stand on the street corners and they would make a big show out of their prayers so that everyone would watch. And they would go on and on and on just babbling, thinking that God heard them because of their many words. And Jesus denounced this type of prayer. It was just show. He calls them hypocrites. And so these disciples have had a really bad example of what prayer is. And so maybe that's where the question comes from, where the request comes from. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus is happy to oblige. He goes into this rather long discourse on how to pray. And maybe you're glad for it. Maybe you're glad that this disciple is so bold to come to Jesus and and make the request because in my ministry, I've talked to many Christians who have said, you know what? I want to have a better prayer life. I want to know how to pray better, and I want to pray more. I I actually want to believe that my prayers work, that God really is listening, that he cares, that he actually does answer them. And if you've ever had those feelings or those thoughts and those doubts, then it's good for you and for me, along with those disciples today, to pray and ask, Lord, teach us to pray. And he's happy to oblige. Maybe your prayer life needs to be rejuvenated. Maybe it needs to be resuscitated. And here Jesus teaches us about prayer. And there's probably a thousand sermons in this text, a thousand points that we can make from it, but we're going to focus on three. Lord, teach us to pray properly balanced. Teach us to pray with boldness. And Lord, teach us to pray expecting blessings. So balanced, boldness, and blessings. This is the way Jesus starts out when that disciple asks him. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. You know these words very well, don't you? (laughs) They are part of the prayer that we pray nearly, if not every single worship service. The prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. Now there's two petitions missing from Luke's account. Matthew's is the one who records the other two, your will be done on earth as in heaven, and uh, deliver us from evil. But you know this prayer. You love this prayer. You've probably said it thousands of times in your life. You may actually have this idea of what translation of this prayer is really the right one. And if, I hope I'm not the first to tell you that no translation is divinely inspired, okay? If that really means that much to you, if you're really a hardliner about that, let's learn it in the Greek and say it in the Greek. Because that's the only one that's divinely inspired. But I, but I digress. This prayer that we love and we know so well, and, and maybe almost too well, that we just say it without even thinking about what we're praying, is one that you learned from when you were just a little child, more than likely. That someone who has dementia might actually still be able to say because it's so near and dear to their hearts and they know it so incredibly well. But what Jesus is giving us here is a prayer for us to pray, no doubt. It's good for us to use it and to use it regularly. But more than that, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. He's giving us a model prayer as an example for all of our other prayers. We don't have time to go in-depth on every one of the petitions. That's a whole sermon series in and of itself to take a look at a different petition each week, and maybe sometime we'll do that. But let's just quickly look at each of these petitions. And what is it that we are praying about? What is Jesus telling us to pray for? He says, Father, hallowed be your name. What we are praying there is, God, may your name be kept holy. May it be kept holy in the way that I talk, in the way that I conduct myself among us as a, as a congregation. May it be kept holy in the world. He says, pray your kingdom come. And what we're praying for there is God's spiritual kingdom, his kingdom of faith to come, that he would set up reign and rule in my heart and increase my faith, and that kingdom would extend to more and more people, that more people would come to faith in Jesus as their Savior. He says, pray, give us each day our daily bread. And that's not just praying for bread, but it's any physical thing that you need for this life be it food or clothing or shelter or health or good neighbors or good government or peace, whatever it might be, pray for those physical blessings. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Pray that God would forgive you, your huge debt of sin, and that he'd give us the ability, the desire, to forgive others the little debts of sin. And then he says, Pray, lead us not into temptation. And what we're praying there is, God, keep temptation far from us. And when temptation comes to us, help us to bear it. Help us to overcome it. Do you notice the theme in this prayer? Think about those petitions. And what are they about? It's not really a very balanced prayer, if you think about it, from our point of view. Because four of those five petitions recorded in Luke are about spiritual things. 
And the two that are also added in Matthew, your will be done and deliver us from evil, those are spiritual in nature too, right? So you have six of our seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer about spiritual blessings, which leaves one about physical blessings. Think about that for a second. That doesn't sound very balanced to us. What does your prayer life often look like? Because we are apt to worry, because we don't know the future, if you are like everybody else who prays, it's probably the opposite. We pray for physical blessings more than the spiritual blessings. We pray for more money to be in a better financial position. We pray for better health. We pray for reconciliation in a relationship. Right? And all these things are good and fine to pray for. God says, come, bring your requests. Anything and everything, I want to listen. There's nothing wrong with those prayers. Those are good prayers. But what Jesus is teaching us here in the Lord's Prayer is that those really aren't the most important things. In his Sermon on the Mount, a little earlier in his ministry, Jesus said, you know, your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things for your body. He knows you need these things for your life. And then he said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be given to you as well. What Jesus is saying, and what he's teaching us here, is to properly balance our prayers first on the spiritual before the physical. That those things are really way more important than the physical things that you need. Your Heavenly Father knows you need those things. And if, he's gonna pray, if you're going to pray for faith and forgiveness and that God's will would be done in your life and that you can accept it and that God would keep temptation and evil far away from you, he's going to answer that prayer. He told you to pray those words. And if he's going to meet those needs for your soul, he'll also meet all those needs for your body as well. And when our prayer life is shifted and it's more properly balanced where God wants it to be on those spiritual blessings that he desires to give us, it really changes your perspective on your life, doesn't it? What I mean by that is if you know that heaven is yours, if you believe that when this life is over, you will be in heaven with God forever, you don't need to worry about your next paycheck. If you know that God has healed your sin-sick soul, he has cleansed you, you are free of, of sin, then it really doesn't matter what happens to this earthly body because you know that you're forgiven. That you belong to God now and forever. And nothing can take that from you. If, if you have a, a relationship in your life that is strained or, or, or broken, but you know that God has reconciled himself to you and has made you his dear child and says that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will always love you, then that is where your true source of comfort and peace come from, no matter what's going on in this life. You see how Jesus teaches us to shift our perspective in our prayers, to balance them more on those spiritual blessings rather than the physical blessings. Yes, pray for your daily bread. Jesus tells you to. 
right? Because that reminds you of where the, all those physical blessings come from. It reminds you that, yes, you have to give thanks to God, your Father, for all of those physical blessings that he pours out on you every day without you even thinking about it. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and God promises he will give you all these other things as well. Jesus teaches us to properly balance our prayers. He also teaches us to pray with boldness. He goes on and he says, Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. You have to be pretty bold when you have to, to go to a friend's house at midnight and bang on the door and say, hey, can you lend me some food? I got someone here who's hungry. I don't have anything to give them. You'd have to be pretty bold to do that. Jesus says that that friend won't get up because they're your friend. But they'll get up and help you because, in this translation, it says, because of your shameless audacity. It must be really, really important for you to come and knock on the door at midnight for some food. And so they'll get up and help you. Now, what does this parable teach us about prayer? What is Jesus saying? Well, he is not saying that, Jesus, uh, that, that God is bothered by your prayers. He is not saying that God is even remotely reluctant to answer your prayers. What Jesus is teaching us about prayer through this parable is that God wants you to come to him. Your heavenly father wants you to come and pound on that door until he answers. To come with shameless audacity. To come with boldness. To come with persistence. Knowing that he will answer. He will answer that prayer. Jesus goes on to explain this a little bit more. He says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, I, I think too often we're, we're a little too shy in coming to God. And there might be several reasons for that. Maybe, maybe one of them is, why would God want to bother with little old me? I mean, my problems aren't nearly as big as other people's problems. Right? The things I want to, want to put before God are just not that big of a deal to him, I'm sure. Or, or maybe God just doesn't care, and he's not going to listen. Or maybe, you know, if I knock and knock and knock, he's just not going to get up and help me. So why should I? Why even go over there and knock when I'm not going to get anything anyways? Dear friends, Jesus is teaching you and me this morning that God says, come, ask, seek, knock, and he will answer. Do not doubt. God will answer in his time. God will answer in his way, but God promises he will answer your prayer. That door will be opened. Do not doubt but come with boldness and pray to your Heavenly Father. But you think about the answers to some of your prayers. 
You think about how maybe you did come with shameless audacity and, and you came knocking with persistence and you come seeking with boldness and, and the answers you got to those prayers more often than not probably aren't the answers you wanted and certainly not the answers you expected and so Jesus also teaches us this morning to pray expecting blessings he ends his discourse this way. He says, which of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So in typical Jesus fashion, he puts another parable on parable, and he talks about fish and snakes and eggs and scorpions. What Jesus is saying here is, earthly fathers will do what is good for their children. Right? Even though they don't know everything, even though they're not perfectly good and loving, they will not give their children something that will harm them. They will only give them what is good. And Jesus says, your heavenly father works in the same way, but even so much better. You know, sometimes when we pray, God gives us exactly what we ask for, right? Have you had that happen before? You pray for a successful surgery, and God says, yes. He grants it. Sometimes you may pray, uh, Lord, give my family safe travels as they go on vacation across country. And God says, yes, I will grant them safe travels. Or maybe you pray that a, a relationship would be reconciled that you would be able to, to, to have peace in, in a relationship once again. And it may take time, it may be in God's time, but, but maybe it's years from now, but God says yes, and he makes a way for that to happen. Right? We can pray expecting blessings that, that oftentimes God answers the prayer that we prayed, just the way we wanted him to. But sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he says no. But that is an answer too, isn't it? If I tell my son Mike that he cannot use the car to go to the movie theaters with his friends, I'm telling him no because I care about him. Because he doesn't know how to drive yet. <laughs> because I want him to be safe and I want everybody else on the road to be safe, right? I said no because that was the best thing for him. Because I love it. And that's the way our Heavenly Father works too. And think about, in His perfect knowledge, in His perfect love, in His perfect wisdom, our Heavenly Father always answers in the way that is best for us. And sometimes that's no. <laughs> but you know what? It's always better than we could ever imagine. Maybe you prayed for that promotion. That raise, that bigger paycheck. And God said no. Because just maybe God knew that, that when you had all that extra money, those worldly things would begin to draw you away from him. Maybe you prayed that God would take cancer away from your loved one. That he would heal your loved one. And God said, no, I've got something better in mind. Instead, 
I'm going to end all sickness and all pain for your loved one, and I'm going to bring them to myself in heaven where they long to be. And I'm going to bless you as I strengthen your faith as you go through that difficult time. You see, God works. God answers prayer according to his will and for our good. And it's better than we ever could imagine. In Romans, Paul says, all things work for the good of those of him. And how that relates to prayer is that God works through everything for your good, even through your nearsighted, self-centered prayers. And your good is your relationship with him and your eternity. God will never send you something that will draw you away from him. God will never allow something in your life that will that will take you away from him and take that gift of heaven away from you. God will not do that. God always answers prayers for our good in his perfect wisdom and love for us. And we know that because Jesus says here, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God has given you the greatest gift of faith, that gift of the Holy Spirit. And he continues to come to you through word and through sacrament to strengthen that faith. And if he has given you that greatest gift to make you his and keep you his now and forever, he will answer your prayers according to his will for your good. Because he loves you. And he will hold on to you. Jesus teaches us this morning to pray properly balanced prayers with boldness and expecting blessings far more than we could ever imagine. And it sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds all well and good <laughs> until I look at my own prayer life and I see my prayers that are doubting God's power and promises. I see, I see prayers that are self-centered and unbalanced. I see prayers that, you know, a prayer life that so easily gives up on God and says, I'll just go ahead and take care of this myself. Jesus is the teacher here, and I see I am a terrible student because I have not prayed as Jesus has told me to pray. And I hope you come to that realization too. And we fail. And I'm bound to fail because of my weak, sinful, self-centered human flesh. But Jesus doesn't just teach us how to pray. Jesus is not just a teacher. He's our substitute. And he's our savior. When you look at the life of Jesus over and over in the Gospels, you see Jesus in prayer. And yes, he needed that time. In his human nature, he needed, needed that time with his Heavenly Father. But first and foremost, all of that prayer was for you. Jesus prayed properly balanced prayers. He prayed with boldness. He prayed expecting blessings from his Father because we don't. Jesus, as our substitute, lived that perfect life in our place, which included a perfect life of prayer for you and for me. 
And for all the times that we have doubted, for all the times that that we have thought that God didn't care about us or was too busy to answer us, for all the times that we have forsaken prayer completely, Jesus was forsaken for us. On that cross, Jesus prayed to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he suffered hell for your sin and for mine. And you know what God's answer to that cry was? Silence. He turned his face from his son. You know why? So that he could always hear you when you cry and call out to him. So that he would never have to turn his face away from you. It's because of that cross that you can call God your father. It's because of that cross and that innocent blood that was shed there that we are adopted into his family and we are his sons and we are his daughters. And we can approach him in prayer with confidence, with boldness, with persistence, knowing that he is our heavenly father and he loves us dearly and he is going to bless us farther than we could ever imagine. Your heavenly father is waiting to hear from you. He loves you. He's forgiven you. He's claimed you as his child now and forever. May we continue to say, Lord, teach us to pray. To pray expecting blessings. To pray expecting your grace and your mercy. Just as you have already shown us. Through Jesus, our perfect Savior. Amen.